Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. The peace of Christ be with you. Welcome to First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm going to ask uh, Jacob if he can. The peace of Christ be with you. Give me one second while I manage. uh, Welcome to First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm going to ask. All right. Sorry about that. This is a little bit different, me coming to you from home. I did this for a while when I was in the sanctuary and you were at home, and now I'm at home and many of you are in the sanctuary. And uh, I have no, I can see some of you on Zoom, which is very nice, but I can't see any of you in the sanctuary. So if you fall asleep this morning, I will not know it. Um, It is good to be with you this morning, and I welcome you to worship, whether you're joining us in person or whether you're with us on Zoom or on YouTube Live, we are grateful to be together. I am coming to you from home because one of my children has been quarantined because of a COVID exposure at school, and it felt unwise for me to come and stand among you and speak without my mask for a lot of time this morning. So out of an abundance of caution, I'm doing it this way. And I'm glad that uh, this technology affords us uh, the ability to do that. We will be sharing communion later in worship. This is World Communion Sunday. So for those of you at home, if you have not grabbed supplies for communion, you may want to take a few moments, may take a minute here and grab something, whether it's bread or crackers or water or sweet tea or wine or whatever you have will work this morning. Uh, And we will share communion a little later on together. So let us take a deep breath, let us center ourselves, let us be ready now to worship God together. Today, we gather around God's table from near and far. We are the people of God. Though we differ in language, custom, and tradition, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. For there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. 
We are one in God's spirit. We are one, and together we remember our Lord Jesus. For we are the people of redemption. He gave himself up for us so we could be reconciled to God. Come, let us worship the God of our salvation. Join with me in prayer. 
Our gracious Father, we thank you for this day that you have given to us. A day to enjoy your creation, your beauty, and the very life that you have given. Father, we pray that you would help us to open our hearts and our minds, and that we come to you today with a humble spirit, seeking your power, your infeeling, and touching us. Help us to be the Christians and the people that you want us to be, to live a life that demonstrates and glorifies you. And it's the name of our Christ that we pray. Amen. read responsively from Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold on me, I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord protects the simple. When I have brought love, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. 
For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I kept my faith even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my consternation, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounties to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will obey my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your servant girl. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Scripture reading is from Philippians 2, 1 through 11. If then there is any encouragement of Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The scripture reading is John 17, 20 through 23. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I'm not a big fan of sermon titles. You, you may or may not have noticed that I haven't been listing sermon titles in the bulletin lately. That's mainly because uh, I, have, I have a hard time coming up with titles. In fact, when the pandemic started and I was putting out YouTube sermons, I didn't use titles and then I went back to titles. And then once we moved to the next stage and I was preaching in the sanctuary and you weren't really seeing a bulletin, I didn't use titles. And now that we're sort of back in a more normal sense, I'm still not using titles, except I did use one today. And, and the truth is, you can, you can spend a lot of time trying to come up with the right title for a sermon. Or as often is the case for me, you can spend a lot of time coming up, trying to come up with the right title and still come up with the wrong title, or at least not a, not a very good title. And there, and there are like two main problems with sermon titles. And one is the title gives too much away about the sermon. You read the sermon title and, and you don't even need to hear the rest of the sermon because the whole point's right there in the title. Now, if the preacher wouldn't preach when he put a title like this in the bulletin, then you'd probably enjoy that because um, you wouldn't actually have to hear me preach the sermon. You could just read the title. On, on the other hand, there are titles that, that are a bit misleading. Sometimes we preachers try to be clever and catchy and, and a little bit, um, we, we try to be a little challenging in our titles and engage you. And, and the truth is sometimes we build up an expectation with the sermon title that is never met with the sermon. Sometimes they can, they can even seem like a bait and switch or something. You're like, well, that wasn't about that at all. And um, the, the sermon title this morning could possibly be one of those that seems a little bit bait and switchish or a, a little bit misleading. And the sermon title, if you haven't looked at it now, is Why I'm Catholic. That's the sermon title, Why I'm Catholic. Now, the title is obviously intended to be a bit provocative. And yet, if, if you actually see that title in front of you, you will know that the word Catholic uses a lowercase c, so you probably know it's unlikely that I'm going to announce that I've become a Roman Catholic priest over the last week. Um, this, this word Catholic, though, 
this lowercase c Catholic. It's a really important word, especially on this day that we call World Communion Sunday, where Christians from across the globe gather around a common table. Different languages, different cultures, different races, all kinds of differences, and yet come around a common table. When I was in divinity school, I fell in love with the church, which is to say I fell in love with a lowercase c Catholic church, the church universal and all of its complexity and all of its diversity. I've used this image before and I, and I, I think it's helpful. So I'll use it again. If, if Christianity is an ocean or a really, really large body of water, there are three main rivers that are flowing into that ocean. One of those rivers is Roman Catholicism. That's the uppercase C Catholic that we usually think of when we say the word Catholic. So there's this one river, Roman Catholicism. There's another river known as Orthodoxy, or to be a bit more specific, you could say Eastern Orthodoxy because there was just this one big Catholic church and eventually there was a schism. And, and then we had the Church of the West, Roman Catholicism and the Church of the East, Orthodoxy. And then there's a final third river and that's the one we call Protestantism. And if you go up this river Protestantism for a while, you'll eventually find a tributary that I'm gonna call Free Church. There are other ways you could label it. But let's say there's a tributary called Free Church, and if you go up that tributary, eventually you'll come to a branch called Baptist. And if you go up that branch a ways, you'll find this little feeder stream called Southern Baptist. And then up that river, up that little feeder away, you'll find a little tricker, a, a little trickle. Blah, I can't talk. A little trickle called Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Just a little trickle. My point is this, if we think everything we know about the Christian tradition is all there is to know about the Christian tradition, we'll be sorely mistaken. For, for example, the church that I served in Virginia, I remember this lady coming to me after worship one day, and she said, I don't really like these new hymns. She said, I prefer the old ones. And, and we had, we'd, we, we, we sang two hymns that Sunday. And she was talking about those two in particular, calling one of them old and calling one of them new. And here's the irony of it. The hymn that she didn't like, this so-called new hymn, it was from the 12th century. <laughs> it was pretty old. <laughs> and the so-called old hymn, the one that she liked, it was from the 1960s. Now, just because she didn't know the hymn was from the 12th century, that didn't somehow make it new. It, it might have been new to her, but it wasn't new in any meaningful way. And this hymn that was roughly 40 years old <laughs> wasn't old. I mean, Christianity is a couple of thousand years old, and Judaism is, is closer to 4,000 years old. And, and, and 40 years, that is just a drop in the bucket. And the Christian tradition is not a bucket. It's a very deep well. 
And if we don't get below the surface of our own little part of that tradition, we will miss some rather important parts. We'll end up thinking our little part is the whole. I mean, you can just focus in on the, the church in America for a bit. Since the 1960s or so, there has been this increasing polarization within American churches. And for the most part, this polarization in the churches has looked an awful lot like the polarization in our culture and in our politics. And you've heard me talk about this before. Sometimes I'm like a broken record, I talk about this so much. But, but what this really says to us, I think, is that here in the church in America, too often our culture and our politics influence our theology and our reading of scripture. Instead of our reading of scripture, and our reading of theology influencing how we see politics and culture. And so these relatively new developments, they, they, give us a, they give us a lopsided view of what we think the church is like all over the world and what the church has been for thousands of years. In fact, the, the, the British theologian N.T. Wright said it this way. He said, I just don't get the American church. He said, you folks are strange. He said, y'all chop up all of these issues in such weird ways. That's not how most of the church in the world works, he says. And yet we think, we think in many ways that the center of Christianity is right here, that, that we are the norm, that somehow what First Baptist Church of Tryon does or what the wider church in the South does or this kind of generic American church, we sort of think that's the, the central part of the Christian tradition. But, it, but it's not. According to the Pew Center for Research, do you know where the most committed Christians live? And by most committed, this is, this is what their data gathered. Those who pray more frequently, those who attend religious services more regularly, and those who consider religion to be really important in their lives. Do you know where these Christians live? They live in Africa and they live in Latin America. Now, the U.S. is still a highly religious country by these same metrics, but especially, especially if we're compared with Europe, we are, but, but not nearly as much as Africa or Latin America. And yet I still think most of us live with the mindset that it's up to us to share the good news of Jesus with the rest of the world, when in fact it might be the other way around. I remember growing up thinking, that, that we really needed to share the good news in Africa. I saw those films from the missionaries, but here's the truth. There are significantly more Christians in Africa than there are in the U.S. In fact, there are roughly 685 million Christians in Africa. And this data for the U.S. is several years old, so there may be even less now, but at that time, there were 205 million Christians in the U.S. Is that usually how we think of it? Do we think of it that there are more than three times the number of Christians in Africa than there are in the US? And do we think about it this way, that Christianity continues to grow in Africa while it continues to shrink in the US? Or in 2018, the Chinese government declared that there were over 44 million Christians in China. And that's growing. It was growing at a rate of 7%, in fact. Is that how we think of it? <laughs> that there are significantly more Roman Catholics 
in Latin America and the Caribbean than there are in Europe. Can you believe that? There are more Roman Catholics in Latin America than there are and, and the Caribbean than there are in Europe, almost twice as many. And so when we share communion this morning, we are sharing the bread and the cup with brothers and sisters in Christ from all across the globe. And we should remember that so many of these Christians, they do not look like us. They do not speak the same language, or at least English is not their first language. But the body of Christ and the Christian tradition, it is so much bigger than just us. It is so much deeper and wider than our own perspective. And this is what I really mean when I say that I'm Catholic. The word Catholic means universal, according to the whole, in general, broad. This is what it means to be a Catholic kind of Christian, a Christian who is connected not just to your own little slice of the pie, but who understands that this story is really, really old and it's larger than any of us and that it's been handed down to us. And this story, it gives us direction and purpose for our lives. And it reminds me that I'm not the center of the universe. And it reminds me that our church is not the only church and that we Christians here in this place are not the only Christians across the globe. And it reminds me, it reminds me of that prayer in John's gospel, that prayer of Jesus that Alice just read. It's a prayer of unity. Jesus prays that we might all be one. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to all be in the same denomination or worship in the same way or read the scriptures in the same language or all hold to the same theologies. That's not what that means. But it means that we find unity in Christ. So may this table, this table, which isn't mine, which isn't yours, it's not even ours, it's, it's, it's the Lord's. May this table remind, remind us of the vastness of Christ's church. And may this meal around this table remind us that there are many people, many, many people gathered around this table who do not look like us do not share the same culture of, uh, as us, but that do share the same Lord. There is a great diversity in Christ's church, and it is truly Catholic. It is universal. And may this meal remind us that this same Lord who invites us to this table is the same Lord that at one day every knee every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. This is a universal Lord who has called us to be a part of his universal church. So in that sense, may we all be Catholics. Amen.
Let us pray together. Oh Lord, we are grateful that you have invited us to your table. That you have invited us to be part of your family. That you have claimed us as your children. That you have forgiven us. And that you have given us new life. And that you have called us to be your people. May that new life and may that joy, may that forgiveness and grace and mercy be reflected in the ways that we live. May our living be contagious, O oh Lord, so that the world might know your goodness and your beauty and your love and your mercy. Help us to be a people who offer hope and healing to everyone we meet. And I invite you now, if you are in the sanctuary, to name aloud those who need that healing and hope this morning. Those of you joining us, those of you joining us on Zoom, you may also invite offer the names aloud of those who need hope and healing. Franklin's brother Fred McKegg and his family. David Bowman. Ellen Henderson. And now may we pray with one voice the way that Christ has taught us. So you may unmute yourselves that you're at home and join us all together there in the sanctuary as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us I would like for you to turn in your hymnals to number 569. And as we did several weeks ago, I will read this poem, this hymn, as Leslie plays the music on the organ. And I would like for you to use this time to really meditate on these words as, we, as I read them and let them challenge you and to be, to be thankful for Christ's love and to be dependent on his love for, to guide our lives in Christ alone. 
In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace when fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There is the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ we stand. Let us confess our sins by reading together from the confession of sin. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Let us now silently confess. Amen. Now may we hear these words of forgiveness from 1 John. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. 
So you are invited to this table this morning to come and receive these gifts of life and forgiveness of love and mercy, of grace and hope. And Jim will go to the, to the rear of the sanctuary and he will uh, dismiss you row by row so that you may come up and take the elements. They're in a little package that'll have the bread and the cup. And if you'll come down by the center aisle and take one and then return to your seats by the side aisle. And then if you'll wait till you are seated, then we will share the meal together. So at this time, as the music plays, I invite Jim now to direct you to the table. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, 
he took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you to do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the couple, the cup also after, after supper, saying, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for this bread and for this cup for your body and your blood, for your life given as a sacrifice. For through that we know what love truly is. Help us to live in those same ways. May this meal empower us to give of ourselves for each other. Through Christ our Lord we pray, amen. So now if you will take the bread from your elements here. This is the body of Christ given for you. And if you'll take the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. And if you'll now hold on to these until you get ready to leave, and as you leave, you can place these in the trash cans that are at the exits. It has been good to worship with you. It has been especially good to share communion with you. And it was beautiful for me to see uh, your faces, those of you in the sanctuary, come to the uh, communion table because uh, it really feels like I'm preaching to the computer screen, which is not real fun. I was able to do that for a very long time during the pandemic, and so I look forward to being back with you in person to see your face uh, in person uh, when, I, when I preach and, and as we worship. I wanted to remind you about Grace It Forward. You are invited again this week to sign up. Uh, many of you signed up last week. I hope if you didn't, you'll consider doing so this week. Lane and Mary Price will be uh, at the table in the lobby. They'll be there to answer your questions and, and uh, to help you sign up so that you might minister in this community. I look forward to celebrating Grace at Forward a little later in October with all of you. And you'll, hear a little, you'll begin to hear more and more about that in worship in the coming days. So thank you. And I hope that your week will be a good one. And I look forward to us worshiping again next week. So here's the benediction. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother. Children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ, 
So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen. You may go from peace and Jim will be at the uh, lobby exit. And um, I hope